0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Fourth and Gold right here at Beyond the Big Ten. You can follow us at Beyond the Big Ten, where we go beyond the game and give you all the greatest updates, news, and content for all your college football and college basketball heading into the season. I'm Joey Christopoulos. Let's bring in our host for the day. Uh, He's the Fourth and Gold host. He's former NFL standout. He's former Minnesota Gophers standout. And he's licking his wounds a little bit today. It's Brock Farine here to talk about another incredibly frustrating loss with the Gophers. Brock, how are you? Pain.
1: Uh, pain is is just the only word to describe it. It's, it it hurts more than the Northwestern loss. And I thought that one was bad. It's, it's not just the game itself. Of course, it's also the implications of you beat Illinois and you have the firmest grasp of the Big Ten West. I I mean, everything that should have, that needed to happen happened because you still have ohio state on the schedule in two weeks barring a a major one of the biggest upsets in college football um even if you chalk that game up as a loss you still have a firm grasp on the west and control your own destiny because northwestern losing pushes them firmly out of the picture nebraska losing who was also tied with the west is huge wisconsin losing to indiana this this could not have worked out better. Iowa winning meant nothing because the tiebreaker over Iowa was already in Minnesota's hands. And in a heartbreaking fashion, the Illini came in and, to their credit, handled their business. And to Brett Bielema's credit, still undefeated against
0: Minnesota. I mean, that was going to be one of my opening lead questions. I mean, you see it on national, uh, you know, you see it on ESPN all the time. The question. Uh, did Illinois win this game or did Minnesota lose this game, Brock? I mean, maybe we'll just start there and then we'll get more into the more detailed aspects of the game.
1: You know what? As as much as the game hurts, as much as there will always be 1% of me that is always going to be a... a um, I'll always be a gopher, but in, in regards to objectively observing college football, like I have to for work, there's always going to be that 1% of you that, that that loves your team and that's not going anywhere. Even with all that considered i will say illinois won that game Mm. against northwestern minnesota lost the game they blew it they blew it against illinois but they made plays down the stretch them being the illini and i i feel that while this is why if you remove the context of the big ten west and how minnesota could have such a firm control of it um and you just look at this game in a vacuum, you would say, good for Illinois, because they came back and they hung on and they made big plays when they need to. It's because Minnesota fumbled the opportunity to have firm control of the West that I feel influences how we see the game itself. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and look, we are going to do a little bit of a reverse engineer. So I do want to get to some of the bright spots in the game too and, and highlight a couple of individual players that we haven't talked a lot about here on Fourth and Gold. But, you know, I, I did really want to get your perspective because there's two schools of thought on this, and what better to ask than a former um, NFL defensive back, you know, when that last driver, the, those, last, those last moments in the game, and Illinois has to go to its backup. I mean, Luke Altmyer played pretty decently throughout the game. He gets hurt. In comes this kid, Paddock as a former you know defensive back who's played in the nfl i mean are we giving credit to the kid for spinning a couple of really great throws or as a former defensive back you're saying to yourself man that stings how do you let the backup quarterback come in and bring you know do that game-winning drive on you where do you land on that that you know what that's probably
1: the biggest point as to why illinois won this game Mm -hmm. um as opposed to Minnesota Blunt. You know how many people get thrown in the fire during the final stretch of the season in conference play, on the road, and just crumble. And I'm I'm not even talking quarterback. I'm talking running back. I'm talking left tackle. I'm talking punter. And just crumble under the pressure because you're playing against guys who have played 800 snaps this year already, you know? Um, That's an absurd number, but you know what I'm saying. To be a quarterback... In that moment, there's two ways to do it. There is, I'm going to rely on the veterans around me. I'm going to trust that coach is going to tell me where to put this ball. And if everything goes according to plan, we can win. Or we can be like Paddock and say, I'm going to go out there and win this thing. Because there's actually no reason to have any fear. Not that it's human to be nervous in that situation. But... It's justified to say, if I go out here and throw five interceptions in a row, is anyone going to blame me? No. So I'm just going to go out there and play the game I've always played. Um, and credit to him, he embraced that. And to Brett Bielema's credit, moments like that are why he's such a respected coach, are why he's a players coach, why anyone who's played for him at Wisconsin, Arkansas, or now Illinois loves him, because he empowers his guys. I I, I am close with uh, Coach Bielema, and when 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 the sting wears off, I can't wait to talk to him and find out what that pre-drive conversation was like before that game-winning drive. Uh, Paddock made throws that he had to make against a pretty good defense. Credit to him, credit yeah. to Isaiah Williams for, for for running a good route, and credit to that team for, for coming back and, and, and chipping away and eventually getting the win.
0: I, I want to go one more on this just because I'm just so interested in this topic and I just want to get your thoughts on it of you know, last week we talked a little bit about Jordan Newbin and what it was like to be, you know, the fifth string running back, a guy that maybe necessarily wasn't even playing the position last year for him to step up, step in and deliver and produce. I mean, it, is it hyper? Is it hyperbole to say that the backup quarterback's job and what Paddock did is, is that one of the harder things to pull off in sports? Just because for someone that's never played the game before, I'm just thinking, of course, we say we're preparing to play, right? We, we know the playbook. We're ready to roll. But on every single snap of that game, he has to be on edge and ready to come in and perform at any moment. I mean, is, is what, I, I just want to make sure. Are we, are we making too light of how impressive that is for a kid to come in there and be able to play in the last seconds of the game? Because it's easier to say than it is to do.
1: Joey, I love that you brought that up. It's a fantastic question. And, yes, it is more impressive, and this is why. You get thrown in the fire as a running back – the play gets called. Okay, I'm running to the B gap on my right. The B gap is yeah. the B gap, right? No matter how many snaps I've played, the B gap remains the same. If I'm a wide receiver, as long as I get thrown in the fire, as long as I know the play, well, a, a dig route is a dig route. And this is the coverage, this is the play. I'm supposed to run a dig here. I'm going to run the dig route. Feel of the game is on it's it's paramount for a quarterback, right? Because if you're a quarterback and you drop back in the first quarter everything is neutral you drop back in the fourth quarter and you've been playing the whole game You know my left tackles struggling with their defensive end that influences every single play My running back is a little banged up that influences every play My tight end has two drops today. He's not feeling confident. I can't trust. you know like, like, like th- there's there's tiny little things that inform every single play that you have to know as a quarterback from your old line to your running backs, to your wide outs, to your tight ends, to everything. And for Paddock to not have that feel of the game and just go in and not know that I mean, small things, even, even like, man, that strong safety is really playing on his toes. We've been able to get him on play action. Altmeyer knows those things. Now, maybe Mm -hmm. he, him and Bielema shared it with him, but like, like there's, there's, there's tiny little things that he did not have. Um, that a quarterback who's played for three quarters has. Shoot, three three, three and a half quarters. I don't even know how much time was left when he went in, but there wasn't a lot of time. So I I cannot praise Paddock enough for being in that moment and delivering.
0: So let's roll it back a little bit, and um, let's open it up to the broader aspects of the game. You know, to to be very fair, you know, Minnesota uh, had a lead throughout different courses of this game. Um, I do feel like a little bit of that Caden Feagan that run really felt like a little bit of a momentum shift to kind of change the emotional tenor of the game a little bit. Um, but I do want to ask, you know, what are some bright spots? What did you like to see, um, you know, what offensive, defensive side of the ball? What do you think were some of the highlights that you think were promising um, for the Gophers, at least moving forward?
1: Ethan in and it's unfortunate that a three-touchdown performance doesn't get rewarded with a win. Uh, coming into this game, I felt, okay, if Ethan has a decent game, they win. He had a good game. I mean, you you could argue uh, it, it was one of his best games. Um, three touchdowns to three different wide receivers. That was impressive, and hopefully he can build on that uh, against a struggling Purdue pass defense, and 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 continue that. Uh, Brevin Spanford, Ford, who has who who entered this year on all the watch lists, all all, all, the, all the award lists, and has not played up to standard. He would be the first to say that. and had a good game, scored a touchdown. I, I believe he had three receptions, and you know, while that's not an overwhelming number, when you compare it to the drops, sometimes in crucial situations throughout the year, that was a huge game for him and, and he stepped up when his team needed it. Daniel Jackson, now, I believe three. Consecutive games with a touchdown, yeah. seven, um, seven, seven on the season too, as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you factor in um, the struggles of this offense, the the lack of chemistry with athan from week two really to week seven or eight, uh that's a huge thing. And it's impressive there. J- Jordan newbin didn't have a thousand yards again, but he 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 did good. And Cody Lindenberg uh, led tackles with eleven. So, it's it's one of those things where if you look at the stat sheet, you say Minnesota won this game, but if you turn on the TV with a minute left, you come to find out they actually didn't.
0: Yeah, they won the turnover battle and uh, they won the penalty battle too as well. They played cleaner football, and again, they have an L, uh, you know, in the in the column there as they move forward. Uh, I also wanted to shine a light a little bit. I want you to tell Gophers fans a little bit more because this because we haven't talked a lot about him. Um, this season, over the last two weeks, the dude has shown up. Uh talked talked to us a little bit about Ja Joyner? Uh, two forced fumbles the last two weeks. He's got, I believe now, I think it's either two and a half or three sacks total now over the last two games. Let's just talk about a guy who's obviously on a little bit of a heater right now. And, um, you know, what do you like about him as a player? What are the traits that get you excited?
1: Yeah, great point because the the, the Minnesota pass rush – coming into this year was the biggest question mark because it hasn't been there. Minnesota's been fine in the DB room. They've been fine in the linebacker room. Plenty of guys going to the NFL from both of those rooms um, leading into the 2023 season, right? So 2022 and previous, there just wasn't much there. There was a different D-line coach every single year. There was so many transfers in and out, and really, ja is is... Physically, if we're talking physical gifts, was is by far the most uh, impressive guy in that room, and even last year, uh, ranked top three in the in the Big Ten in regards of successful pressures um, against quarterbacks. Meaning, if if, if pressure is brought. And it's, it's a gray area stat, right? When is a quarterback under pressure? When is he under duress? When is a guy in his face? But the, the, the fact yeah. is, his name was amongst the guys from Michigan and Ohio State in regards to when he is on the field. Um, he is affecting the quarterback. So th- there were high expectations. Um, not much from the D-line early in the year, but to Jaw's credit, he, he has established himself as a guy that offensive lines for, for, for the final weeks uh, of the season have to know where he is and that affects everything with with attention on him as a defensive end that's less attention that can be put on linebackers that's something that's in the quarterback's head now that's less attention that quarterback can put on the DBs. so it, it's it's huge to have a consistent pass rusher and also a guy who who does this thing um in 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 the run game but as a pass rusher it just affects everything it's one more thing that the offense has to factor in. Hopefully, we can see it uh, for the final three, three games of this regular season.
0: Yeah, and when you mention consistent, too, I mean that's the biggest boon to the Gophers' defensive line. And when you play it, an Illinois offensive line. they trust me, a lot of Illinois fans have been complaining about that, that offensive line all season long. You need someone to take yeah. advantage of that matchup and set up and, and step up. And hopefully, that's going to be something that he can carry over to Purdue. Uh, you know, let's get to some of the bigger topics here. Uh, I got one more painful one for you. Um, just to tie a bow up on this, you know Minnesota's five and four now, as you mentioned at the top of the pod. I mean, a prime weekend to take advantage in the Big Ten West standings, and it just slipped right through their fingers, as you mentioned, Nebraska lost, Wisconsin lost, a lot of five and fours out there. Minnesota also sitting there at five and four. so I mean, give it to a straight, Brock. Um, has the light dimmed? Um, what, uh, did, did, are, have the hopes have the hopes gone out the window just a little bit probably for Minnesota? to really compete in this Big Ten West now with Iowa with seven wins.
1: They need a lot of help, and what you have to bank on now is Wisconsin lost to Indiana. No shade on on Indiana, but Wisconsin was down their starting quarterback, their starting running back, and their starting wide receiver. Three guys who are expected to be back before Wisconsin plays Nebraska. So now you have a situation where not only are you – Hoping that Iowa has a collapse. It's also if Iowa even has a collapse, are you next in line to take advantage of that? Right. It's it's Wisconsin played the worst game that they've played, and um, while while Iowa beat them, if if Iowa falls apart down the stretch, Wisconsin getting all their guys back likely puts them as the favorite for the number two spot yeah. in the West. Minnesota did themselves no favors when you lose to Northwestern. And you still have Ohio State on the schedule. It's okay. We're not out of this yet because even if if you know miracles happen, but if we lose to Ohio State, we have a little bit of leeway. Now you drop two. You need so much help that I I I don't know um, what that speech is going to be like for P.J. Fleck um, on. Well, on Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, whenever they hit the uh, practice field next. uh, But it's always tough to motivate a room full of guys who statistically might still be in it, but practically um, no, the odds aren't fantastic.
0: Yeah, when you get trapped in a numbers game, it can be really frustrating, especially from a fan's perspective, and especially when you look at this past weekend. It really kind of fell the Gophers' way, and they just couldn't capitalize, and now they're kind of sitting where they're sitting. So uh, rolling forward right now, they're taking on a 2-7 and seven Purdue team this weekend. Um, you would like to think that Minnesota's going to come out with a win. But for you personally, like, you know, maybe beyond the keys to what it's going to take to beat Purdue, I'm sure we can come up with a couple of those. But what is one factor, pick a side of the ball right now that you really want to see uh, step up and perform this weekend? Make a statement a little bit and show that this Gophers team has a lot to fight for in the final three games?
1: The wide receiver room, because Purdue has struggled mightily um, in pass defense. They bring a lot of pressure. Purdue is going to run man just about every single play. Every single play, it e mano-a-mano, our guy versus your guy. Even if you beat them 10 plays in a row, they're going to come out man on the 11th play. So what that means is there's a lot of pressure for Ethan Kaliak, man is what Ryan Walters, the head coach and defensive play caller for Purdue does is we're going to trust our guys in man, but they're not going to have to cover long because we're going to throw so many exotic looks up front. So a lot of pressure will be on Ethan to identify things that's going on, which means his guys have to win and they have to win quickly. He will not have a lot of time. So you have a situation where Elijah Spencer catches a touchdown. Uh, Daniel Jackson had a good game. Corey Crooms had some big catches, um, throughout the year on, on some, some key third downs. Uh, and of course you have Daniel Jackson. So it's not just, you guys need to win. It's, you need to win early. He will, him being Mm -hmm. Nathan will not have a lot of time to throw.
0: Uh, before we get out of here, Brock, uh, let's just open it up to some uh, general big 10 or college football talk if you'd like. um, I want to give your pick on this one, but also I want to ask you something right off the top, and then you can go whatever direction you want. Um, So, Brock, are we sure Ohio State is the best team in the nation? (laughs) Are Are you buying that? I mean, they have all the pieces, but are Kyle McCord's turnovers enough to maybe make you say, hey, wait a second, I know the ranking is the ranking, but I'm not buying it. So is Ohio State the best team in the nation right now?
1: They still are. Okay, I'll I'll tell you this. (laughs) They are firmly the best team in the Big Ten. I see the threat to Ohio State being Georgia because what Georgia did last week is they played a complete game, meaning not, not, not the score at the end of the game, meaning contributions from everywhere. Usually for Georgia, it was one guy is just going to go off for 200 yards. Usually it was Brock Bowers. Then Brock Bowers goes down. Then their wide receiver, Ladd McConkey goes off, and he's unguardable. But what they did last week in their win against a ranked Missouri team was a perfect balance of a little bit of running back, a little bit of wide receiver over here, a little bit of wide receiver over there, two interceptions defense. like It was... It was the first time I saw Georgia really show to be a complete team, not just a team with two matchups that they can just exploit. If they do that again against, God, I think they have two out of their last remaining three games are ranked. If they do that again, I would be shocked if the CFP does not rank them above Ohio State. Now, of course, Ohio State and Michigan, whoever wins that has an opportunity to jump Georgia, but... So to answer your question, Ohio State comfortably still the the best team in the Big Ten, even with Cowboy Court struggles because Trayvon Henderson is showing to be just the guy that he was his freshman year. Finally healthy for the first time in three years, really. Um, And that defense is incredible. The margin is smaller between them and Georgia, but technically it is still there. However, when when this week's iteration of the college football playoff rankings come out here in about 24 hours... um, I'm not gonna clutch my pearls if Georgia leaps them, but I feel pretty confident Ohio
0: State should still hold on to number one. Uh yeah, no, you're 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 almost correct. Uh, so they're playing Ole Miss this week, ranked number ten, and then uh, mm-hmm. next week Georgia travels to Tennessee to take on number seventeen Tennessee, and they finish up the season with ah. Georgia Tech. So I mean, look, that's still on the schedule there. It's tough. Course. Yep, and Ohio State still has. Uh, Penn State uh, – excuse me, Ohio State still has Michigan on the schedule. Michigan plays Penn State this weekend too. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of story left to go with that CFP for sure. Um, anything else strike you um, from the weekend that caught your eye? Yeah,
1: let's uh, let's go outside the Big Ten. Let, let, let's, let's go to – actually, you know what? Three things. Uh, one, the juxtaposition of watching Northwestern and Iowa – play and then a couple hours later watching USC in Washington is the funniest thing in the world. But you know what? You know what? And this is me as a as a defensive guy speaking. I loved the first game more because watching Pac-12 football and all these points, as you can imagine it it gives me a heart attack. I'm screaming wondering (laughs) why why are they not covering that guy? How do you miss that tackle? Why are they adjusting this? Whereas I know The other 50% of fans are saying how did he drop that pass? How are they not scoring points? Why are you kicking a field goal? <laughs> you know, like it's it, it, it's how you it's how you view the game and people love points I, I I'm I'm not blind to the fact that people watch uh to see points being scored But that that juxtaposition was awesome. The Big Ten thing was just them being in Wrigley field again I, I I selfishly hope that when Northwestern does build their new stadium, that Wrigley Field does become their home field. I know the, mm. can't even imagine the complications that comes with. Uh, but that was a cool thing. And then lastly, the uh, LSU Alabama showdown. Showdown. Uh, Alabama is a serious threat to Georgia in the SEC championship. I'm putting Alabama there because they have really nothing left on their schedule they play kentucky this week then they play chattanooga in that you know sec bye week as they call it the the week before everyone's rivalry game and then they have auburn who stinks so alabama's going to the sec championship they're a legitimate threat to georgia and if they beat georgia they're the ones in the playoffs so a lot to keep an eye on i love how much parity there is in this college football season you could take 18 names put them on shuffle and any of those four names could represent in in the college football playoff and I wouldn't have it any other way.
0: Yeah, that's such a great point. The other one that I'll throw in the bin just really quick was I think a lot of people want to name like Texas as a possible CFP backdoor dark horse possible. Mm-hmm. And they almost lost this weekend, yeah. right? Kansas State gave them all that they could possibly <sighs> handle. And then just real quick with the Iowa Northwestern game, um I'm a hundred percent on board with you um, I, I don't know who to blame on this one, but did you notice on that, uh, the fourth or the first and goal on the one yard line, what they did to the field after two or three <laughs> attempts of chush push or whatever, they literally were digging, digging a hole. <laughs> like, the fans couldn't see them because at some point they were playing two feet underground. I mean, that's when, you know, it's defensive football, right? When they're literally digging up the ground there. It was, it was, that was incredible.
1: By any means necessary. I love it.
0: <laughs> uh, Brock, we got to get out of here. This was another episode of Fourth and Gold. Uh, hopefully the Gophers get back in the win column this weekend against Purdue. Get to six wins. Look, that, that will make them bell old, bell eligible, eligible. Excuse me. Uh, so a lot <laughs> to look forward to, and we're going to be here to cover it all. Uh, Brock Vereen, thank you so much for joining the show, man. Good to see you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week.
1: Thank you, sir. Always happy to sit with you.
0: Checking out Fourth and goal here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Follow us at Beyond the Big Ten. We are Beyond the Big Ten giving you all the fantastic content that you need all season long and going beyond the game too as well with college football and now college basketball just right around the corner. Uh, Make sure you come back and check us out again. Thank you. Be well. Be safe. Please be good to each other. And we will see you soon.